Hello? Is this thing on? What do you have there? It's a book. Why It's a book. Hello. You're listening to Book History Illuminated. I'm Leah, I'm your host, and I'm so stoked to get started. Now, I recognize that a lot of you probably have no idea what you're in for. You know what books are, you know what history is, but what the heck is book history? It's exactly what it sounds like, the history of books. The problem comes when you try to define what a book is. Sure, a book could be a big wad of paper covered in text that you flip page by page. Um, That kind of book is actually called a codex, uh, and that's how I'm going to refer to it for the rest of this episode and this podcast. But a book could also be an ebook that you scroll, or maybe you even have one of those fancy e-readers or tablets that can mimic the flipping motion and sound that you get with a paper codex. But when I talk about books, I'm not just talking about codices and ebooks. I'm talking about letters, manuscripts, scrolls, clay tablets. A book can include text or illustrations or some mix of both. Dictionary.com's first definition of the word book is as follows. A handwritten or printed work of fiction or nonfiction, usually on sheets of paper fastened or bound together within covers. The key word here is usually. This is, of course, a highly simplified definition, but at least it's a starting point. There has been a long and impassioned debate among book historians about what constitutes a book, and I sure as heck am not going to rehash all of those arguments right now. Instead, I'm just going to define a book as a physical or digital document that holds or is intended to hold a written or illustrated text of some sort. That's it. I feel like this definition is not going to satisfy any book historian, so I am planning on doing an entire episode of the podcast dedicated to just defining what a book is. In the future, I'm also planning on elaborating upon what I mean when I say text. You know, getting all nuancy. But for now, for the sake of this first episode, I'm just going to roll with it. Once again, for now, I'm just defining a book as a physical or digital document that holds or is intended to hold a written or illustrated text of some sort. To kick off this podcast, the rest of this episode is just going to be spent explaining more precisely what book history is and why you should care. So let's get started. Book history is generally thought of as a very new field coming out of the 70s, especially following a book published in 1976, and this book is Lucien Fèvre and Henri-Jean Martin's L'Apparition de Livre, which has been translated to English with the title of The Coming of the Book, The Impact of Printing, 1450 to 1800. This book is supposedly the first time that we see the term book history used. Obviously, because it's in French, um, the term in French is L'Histoire de Livre, the history of books. Uh, I am not sure if I believe that this is the first time that term is used, but I don't have any evidence to prove otherwise. So, I don't know. Even if this is the first time we see that term used, the study of books had been going on for quite some time by the time the coming of the book was published. The most obvious scholar, at least to me, um, who have been studying books and their effects on humans is Marshall McLuhan 
who published The Gutenberg Galaxy, The Making of Typographic Man, in 1962. So we already, we do see come some sort of book history field emerging before Fevre and Martin's book. That's all I'm going to say about that. Um, but after Fevre and Martin's book comes out, we start to see kind of this influx of books about books come out. We see Elizabeth Eisenstein's The Printing Press as an Agent of Change uh, come out in 1979, and this is a two-volume tome that really tries to get into the nitty-gritty of the effects of the printing press on, you know, she talks about the economy, she talks about um, humans, social lives, that kind of thing. She talks about everything, and she's she's a beast, and this is still like a really basic text in book history. It's constantly cited and um, disputed and agreed with, and I'd highly recommend it. Maybe don't buy it because it's quite expensive, but definitely at least check it out from your library if you're interested and just skip to the parts you want to read. Uh, it, it's good and it's kind of dry, but still good. Anyway, um, following that, we see other scholars come out. We see Robert Darton. Robert Darton's, um, he just left Harvard as their librarian, uh, but he's a beast and he's still going. Uh, we see Simon Elliott come out. We see all of these people who you'll hear about later in this podcast, I hope. Um, anyways, book history really starts to take off with Fevre and Martin's book. And I think that's the, that's the key thing is it, it didn't necessarily develop, but it really starts to take off. And that's when it's finally kind of determined to be a distinct field, a, a distinct sub section of history. Cool. So um, that's all I'm going to say about that. I might go into further detail in a future episode, but for now, that's, that's all you need to know. Um, I'm going to move on now to just defining what book history is now. Uh, and there are, it, it's, it's easier said than done because there are so many subfields within book history. Book history is kind of this all-encompassing term for a bunch of other things. Uh, so somebody's usually not just a book historian. They're usually like a bibliographer, a textual scholar, a textual critic, um, or maybe they're a sociologist who just appreciates book history. I don't know, but I'm just going to get into the details of like some of these other or these subsections of book history. So you can get an idea as to how big this field really is. It may seem obscure, but it's so big. Um, the first ones, I think the most obvious of all book historians are bibliographers, a lot of people use the terms book history and bibliography interchangeably, and I'm not sure I think that's entirely correct, but I think the lines are so blurred that it doesn't really matter which term you use, um, unless somebody's really anal about it, and then you should use the one that they want you to use. Bibliography tends to focus a lot on describing the physicality of the book, and I mean, if you've ever written any academic paper, you're probably familiar with the term bibliography used to describe the systematic organization of books. So it's both those things. It's the physicality and the organization. Bibliography is a huge field, and even within bibliography, which is the subfield of book history, there are so many subfields. Uh, some of the subfields of book uh, bibliography include reference bibliography, which is, you know, kind of like what you use for your, your academic papers, historical bibliography, analytical bibliography, and descriptive bibliography. I'm not going to get into that nitty-gritty stuff right now, but if you're interested in learning more about bibliography and its subsections, 
I recommend that you check out a book called An Introduction to Bibliography and Textual Studies. That's by William Proctor Williams and Craig C. Abbott. It's a great introduction to bibliography, and it's written in pretty accessible language. It's a tiny book, too, which makes a pretty intimidating topic seem a bit less intimidating. Within book history, you also have textual scholars, um, and these are people who do textual studies and textual criticism. Uh, the focus here is on the transcription of texts, changes that are made throughout the authorial, publishing, and printing processes, um, you know, authorial intent, errors that are introduced, that kind of thing. Textual scholars are the people who dedicate their lives to producing scholarly editions of Ulysses. And um, literally everyone I have ever met who self-identifies as a textual scholar has been so, so strange. But, you know, in the most wonderful way, but still so strange. And, uh, you know, here's a homework assignment for you. Find a self-identified textual scholar and have at least a 30-minute long conversation with them. Try not to freak out when they blow your mind with some tidbit that you never knew you needed to know. Let me know how it goes. The last part of book history that I'm going to mention here is D.F. Mackenzie's notion of the sociology of texts. Mackenzie's ideas are all published in a book called Bibliography and the Sociology of Texts, published in 1986. Um, this book is basically the text of his Panizzi lecture from the British Library from 1985. And just as a side note, if you ever get a chance to go to one of the British Library's Panizzi lectures, I think they're every year in February? I could be wrong, I don't know, but they're free. Um, they're book history lectures, and they're just amazing. They're incredible, uh, consistently incredible. They get some really, really great people. I'd highly recommend that you go check it out. They're, they're great. Anyway, in Bibliography and the Sociology of Texts, Mackenzie talks about how social changes can influence what books are about and what they look like. So it's the notion that textual content and form is adjusted to suit the needs and expectations of the intended readers. Mackenzie, being from New Zealand, talks a lot about the Maori and the complexities of their oral texts. He argues that the stuff of bibliography, all of that scholarship and that theory, can be applied to other means of communication that may not be written down. And that's a really important idea. Because at the end of the day, while book history is very much about physical objects, it also is not just about physical objects. In medieval times, for example, yeah, books are there, but oral communication is really, really important. It's probably more important to the everyday person. So, you know, there's a lot of interplay between oral and written stuff uh, that needs to be considered for a comprehensive understanding of means of communication. I hope that makes sense. Um... Yeah, anyway, so this kind of brings us to the final part of this episode. Why we should care about book history. Why you should continue listening to this podcast and, you know, yeah. Book history is not just the history of physical books. More generally, it's the history of knowledge transfer and storytelling. Book history can reveal a lot about how we produce, acquire, think about, and share the texts that ultimately serve as a foundation of our contemporary lives. You may have heard Marshall McLuhan's famous words, the medium is the message. 
I don't want to take McLuhan out of context here because there's a lot behind those words that I don't want to get into here. But I think that this quotation is important and that it really draws our attention to the fact that the medium through which a message is conveyed can really strongly influence the way that message is received. Media are not neutral. Absolutely not. The Codex, for example, carries a lot of symbolic weight. Probably the most obvious is its nostalgic value, particularly in light of increasing digitalization. People say how much they love the way codices smell, feel, yada yada yada. And codices are still largely revered. They're thought of as these really authoritative, correct, static, you know, knowledge containers. Um, when you see a physical textbook, for example, you just assume that everything in that textbook is correct. Maybe not everything, but you know, you 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 assume that it's more or less factually right. Um, and of course, this isn't always right. Uh, there's a lot of crap that gets printed. There's vanity publishing. There's really poor copy editing. Um, meanwhile, though, like digital texts are often seen as ever changing and not necessarily as authoritative as the printed word. Uh, so there's a lot of crap there too, but. There is a definite generational gap in how digital kind of digital texts are perceived. When I was in elementary and high school, which, you know, actually wasn't that long ago, there were essays that we were only allowed to use books and newspapers to research. No websites at all, no computer, just books and newspapers. However, with the help of media literacy being added to the curriculum, students are now getting pretty good at finding those online resources that are produced by people who know their stuff. There seems to be an increasing trust in what online sources are telling us. And yes, I am referring to Wikipedia, but I'm also referring to university websites and online journals and the like. There is so much written information available to us in both physical and digital forms, and media literacy is helping us to make sense of it and to sift through all the garbage to find those little nuggets of wisdom and well-researched material. And this is where book history comes in. This is why I think it's important. Studying book history helps us make sense of how we go about learning new things, how we go about telling stories. For about the past 500 years, the printed book has been our main source of, for the lack of a better word, uh, culture, at least in a huge part of the Western world. Before printed books, manuscripts, handwritten books, held a lot of the Western world's knowledge. Now, though, we're faced with huge changes. There are people talking about the death of the book, and by book they mean codex, in light of the increasing digitization of our world. Of course, this is what makes book history an exciting and super relevant field right now. These changes seem to threaten our way of understanding the world and perpetuating ourselves, but book history can help us make sense of them. At the end of the day, book history is a broad lens through which to view history as a whole. It's an approach. It's one of many potential focal points for scholars to make sense of and find meaning in greater historical contexts. There's a really famous definition of history by E.H. Carr, wherein Carr defines history as, quote, a continuous process of interaction between the historian and his facts, an unending dialogue between the present and the past, end quote. Carr goes on to state that, quote, the past is intelligible to us only in light of the present, and we can fully understand the present only in the light of the past, end quote. And that's what I want to do with this podcast. Understand the present, 
where we are right now in the midst of all of these changes brought on by digital development. I want to start a conversation that, as of yet, has not been uploaded to iTunes. And that's all I have for today. Thank you for listening. If you want to get in touch, have any questions, comments, suggestions, or just want to say hi, send me an email at bhilluminated at gmail.com or just tweet me at bhilluminated. I'm excited to get started on this podcast and have a huge list of ideas of things that I want to talk about. But if you want me to talk about something specific, I'd be happy to do that. Also, if you want to be on the podcast, that'd be cool too. Not 100% sure how to do that, but we can arrange something. It'll be awesome. Anyway, I will see you next time, whenever next time is. Goodbye.